Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Welcome to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. I'm your host this week, Rowan Coe, and I've also got Phil Lysetter with me. How are you going, Phil? Good. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, as promised uh, a few weeks ago, we, we did mention we were going to talk specifically about hiring technicians and mechanics. Correct. Uh, so that's what we're here to do today. So uh, I'm sure this will be a popular episode yes. <laughs> um, with the with the massive massive shortage of mechanics in the Correct. industry. So um, I guess let's um, let's talk about. Um, we'll start off by talking about some of the market rates uh, we've seen in dealerships and and you know, some of the average sort of salaries we're seeing. Yeah. Um, we might then talk about the challenges um, for hiring technicians and some of the opportunities and ways that you yep. can uh, get around some of those. So. Um, so market rates. Let's talk. Um, so obviously, it's it's very difficult to give uh, you know advice around this without yes. knowing uh, <laughs> your individual dealership requirements Correct. and and uh, you know where you are and all that sort of stuff. Um, but so let's just talk general. Um, yeah. And um, you know our specialty is in the heavier stuff. So That's why right. don't we start off by talking about uh, some of those that you've seen in the last sort of six to twelve months? That's right. Look. Um, being very general here, um, if you do want to get advice on, you know, are we paying them enough? Are we paying them too little? Please just reach out. I'm happy to, to have a chat with you. Generally speaking, in metro areas, so, you know, your Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, um, Adelaide, Perth, those sort of regions, um, in a heavy vehicle dealership, you're looking at anywhere from, from sort of 34, 35 to high 30s, 38, 39, maybe $40 an hour um, if you're paying quite well. Um, $40 an hour is, is, is quite quite good yeah. uh, in a truck or, or, or an earth moving dealership um, in a, in a metro area. Um, if you are regional, um, there is a very big spread. I've seen anything from $25 an hour all the way to $50 an hour and yeah. then some. So yeah. um, that mostly comes down to location, yep. um, how much you're competing with particularly mining companies. Um, so those really higher rates you'll often see in WA agricultural dealers really, really struggle to compete with mining companies. Um, you know, um, they can pay them 45, 46, 47 dollars an hour as a dealer. And then the mining company, which isn't too far away, offers them offers for them to live in Perth, fly and fly out, and you know, they get paid $60 an hour. So um, that's why you're seeing those higher rates in some regional areas. Yeah. Um, I'm not an expert on car dealerships. Um, it's just not our area, obviously. Um, but I've heard sort of high 20s to low 30s is usually what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. And obviously um, uh, regional areas in, in automotive as well vary. So, um, you know, they may get a little bit more uh, for regional areas, I guess, for cost of living and also yeah. competing against those mining companies as well because they still – That's right. They would take light vehicle technicians as well. That's right. Um, so, you know, it's uh, – uh, nothing is off the table for mining companies to, to find right. those candidates. Yeah, yeah. And look, that rate really depends. Uh, it, maybe depends is the wrong word, but it, uh, it it does change depending on what the package is like. Yeah. Um, if um, penalty rates are involved, then you might be on, you know, not necessarily lower end of the scale, but you're not going to be hitting those, you know, if you're in, um, say you're in a regional area, you're probably not going to be hitting those $50 an hour. Um, you'll probably get that if you're on a flat rate. Yes. So, you know, you might be doing 60 hours a week at $50 an hour. Yeah. Um, if you're on a on a penalty rate, 
um, you'll be doing 38 hours a week at $40 an hour or something like that. And then it goes to time and a half. So um, there's different factors there you've got to keep in mind. And uh, it's not just the hourly rate that makes up the package. Um, sometimes we do see incentives for mechanics. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the incentives that you've seen um, recently? Yeah, so tool allowance is a big one. Um, it's something that people have started throwing in. Obviously, um, mechanics use their own tools. Um, so to you know adjust for that, um, it's not a lot. It doesn't need to be a lot. A lot of the time, it's only dollars a week or something like that it's you know it's not a huge amount um but it allows them to if they wish to upgrade their tooling um which they obviously use every single day to fix your machinery so yeah uh, pretty essential <laughs> yep um another thing that uh, i've sort of seen is obviously vehicles um yep. particularly when they're field service um and and being able to use that for some private use correct, as well correct yep. um my number one thing would be if you do let them have a vehicle just let them take it home let them drive at home. You know, it's only going to be a couple more Ks. Um, you know, they don't need to be allowed to go four-wheel driving in them on the weekends. Yeah. Um, that's that, that's not the point. But, you know, they want to go to the shops or they want to go and, you know, drive around town or go visit a friend. Just let them use it. Have you know, Let them have some personal use there. Um, it's just um, a lot of the time I, I see it with, oh, yeah, I got a vehicle, but I got to go to the dealership first and I've already got an appointment. Like I've already got something booked in at, 6am so I've got to go from my house into my car to the dealer drop my car off pick up the ute then go to my appointment then drive back at the end of the day say I've, I've had a 12 13 hour day it's you know seven eight o'clock at night I've got to drive back to the dealer drop that car off again get my car yeah just just let them take it home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about uh, uniforms and and laundered uniforms that's something we've seen a little bit um, some dealers offer uh, fully laundered uniforms, yeah. so you just come into work, get in, get into the uniform, leave it there when you go home, and they yeah. clean it for you. Or obviously, a contractor cleans it. Yeah, um, that is quite attractive to mechanics, isn't oh, it? Oh, definitely. I mean, if you say you have a family, you know, say you're you're, you're a diesel mechanic, you've got a you've got a young family, and um, you come home and you're covered in obviously oil and grease and you know anything else you could possibly think of after working on machinery for ten hours, and then you know you you, you want to put that into your washing machine that you know your children's clothes go in and your wife's clothes go in and that sort of thing. So yeah. um, plus, you know, it's it, it's hard to get that stuff out um, just in a normal residential washing machine. So um, offering that I think is a big help and it takes a lot of load in terms of, you know, uh, what what they need to do outside of work off them as well. Yeah, and it's just one extra little thing that uh, yeah. sort of adds up to being a, a great offer and something that yeah. will keep them there uh, or attract them if they're, they're new to the role. That's right. And it doesn't need to be, I don't think it's that expensive um, as a whole for a dealership to do that for 10 mechanics or something like that. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not the biggest thing really. Well, a bit cheaper than not having mechanics. Correct. Uh, <laughs> if there's a shortage. So um, what about relocation assistance and uh, any incentives or bonuses and things yeah. like that? What, what have you seen there? Oh, I've seen a lot there. Um, so we've seen things like um, obviously relocation assistance, um, helping candidates relocate saying, you know, we'll pay for you for your airfares or we'll pay for you to move all your stuff down here and that sort of thing. Um, one particular incentive that has stuck in my mind is that the dealership offered, if they relocate to this dealership, um, they'll get a bonus every year, I think it was, for three years or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were, they were paying them like $2,000 for the first year, yeah. $3,000 bonus for the second year. Yeah. 
And then um, it was worth like 10, 10 or 15000 It was like $15,000 or Over five years. years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you think about the number of times you would have to replace a mechanic over five years mm. potentially, you know, that could be a better investment yeah. in oh, keeping yeah. that person there, especially oh, yeah. if they build up rapport with the local farmers or, or whatever. So, yeah, that's that, right. that can be a good option as well. That's right. I mean, if you get um, even, you know, that person leaves, you get even one person through a recruitment company, it's going to cost you usually a few thousand dollars. So, you know, getting that incentive for the mechanic to actually stay and um, putting some, you know, putting a financial value on it um, is a really good idea, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and um, I guess uh, I, I know we've been very general with the um, with the figures that we've given, but we're more than happy to give you a little bit more of a tailored, uh, I guess, assessment of what you're paying your mechanics. So yeah. if you do have an interest or in finding out what your rates are like compared to the market, please reach out to Phil yeah. uh, via our uh, contact details, which are at the end of this podcast and in the show notes below. Uh, just reach out to us. We'll get back to you and have a bit of a chat, find out a little bit more about the dealership, and we can tell you uh, what, what other dealers are paying at that sort of similar yeah. size and yeah. location. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, I guess, some of the main challenges mm-hmm. with finding technicians, um, and then we'll move into maybe how you can overcome those and yeah. maybe some of the opportunities. So I guess um, what do you see as the number one challenge uh, for finding technicians? Um, look, there's just not enough supply. Um, I think there's just been a lack of people coming into the trade over the last few years. Um, I do think that's changing a little bit at the moment. Um, I've seen a lot of companies put on more apprentices or at least try to. Um, but over the last sort of 10 years, um, there hasn't really been enough. 10 to 15 years, there hasn't really been enough people coming into the trade um, and sort of progressing through the ranks from there. Um, your other option, your other problem is obviously, um, you know, the typical mining companies and uh, construction companies, which I know we've already talked about, but, you know, um, if, if someone offers you $65 an hour to do that for, you know, seven days straight, 12 hours a day, you get penalty, penalty rates after 7.6 hours. Um, I've talked to a lot of mechanics who said, look, you know, I, yes, I would rather work from work at home. Um, but I can do this work for five years. And then my house is paid off, and you know I can pretty much do whatever I want from there. So yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really tough. Um, I've had dealers tell me that they've had mining people walk into the dealership yeah. and and offer their mechanics roles. Yeah, um, I mean that's pretty uh, pretty brave. That's pretty brave. Um, that's a ballsy move. Yeah, <laughs> and look, you, you can't blame people for for wanting to do it, and mm. technicians for wanting to take that opportunity. You know, they're, they're young; they get presented an opportunity of a really high paying role yeah uh, but like you said they can pay off their house or, or really get ahead in life yeah they don't want to do it forever probably no they um, don't <laughs> but uh you know that they, they want to take that chance so you, you can't blame them for wanting to do that yeah but dealerships just can't afford to pay them no a similar rate that's right um, that's especially right. because uh you know it all depends on the charge out rate that they're charging and there's got to be a, a markup and and uh, profit there for yeah. the dealership to stay alive. So yeah, um, yeah, it, it it is tough. That's right uh, to compete with yeah. with mining companies. Interestingly enough, though, a lot of the people who I have spoken to who've uh, started out in dealerships and then gone off into mining have said that the work they do in mining is a lot more boring than what they did in dealerships. Yeah, um, definitely. So you'll find in um, at a mining company a lot of the time you'll just do servicing and preventative maintenance and that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, the bigger jobs get outsourced to dealerships again. So yeah, where, yeah. wherever they've bought the equipment from, you know, whoever that may be. So um, it, while obviously, yes, they're getting paid a great amount of money and that's that, that's good, day to day, the li- their life isn't necessarily better. 
Um, a lot of them find that the work they do is quite basic. And we uh, we hear from dealers that uh, they're generally not overly keen to take on ex-mining yes. <laughs> uh, mechanics who have perhaps maybe left the dealership and gone to mining, whether that's because they were burned by them leaving and they, yeah. didn't, they don't want to hire those people back because of that. Uh, I've also heard them say that um, the skills do, um, uh, I guess, atrophy away a little bit yep. there over time whilst they're just working on the, on the basic stuff while yeah. they're maybe underground or, or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So it can affect their, um, I guess, their skill set and That's it right. might take a bit of extra time to train them. That's right. But then a lot of the time it, it's the money. You know, they're coming back from $60, $70 an hour, getting presented with an offer for $30, $35 an hour can be hard to uh, stomach and, and they yeah. might feel that they're a bit uh, worth more than that because of what That's they've right. done in the past. So yeah. it is hard to come back from a higher uh, hourly rate. That's right, yeah. So they, they, they then start thinking, okay, I can make $120,000, $130,000 a year working half of the year or I can work all year and make $70,000, $80,000. So, yeah. And that's where you have to start getting a little bit creative with uh, with what you're offering. You know, yeah. you say, you've got to say, look, you know, you're going to be home every night. You know, we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that. You're going to be part of a family and we'll send you on all the training days so you know all the latest technology. Um, you know, that that sort of thing, because you can't get that in a, a lot of the time, you don't get that in a mining company in the sense of, you know, that stuff, again, gets outsourced to dealerships. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I want to touch on another challenge, uh, which is candidates wanting to uh, make that next step in their career. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a technician, they've probably got in their mind, they don't want to be a technician for, for their whole career. Yeah. Uh, so they want to know what the next step is off the tools. Uh, we we get talk to a lot of young people who have been on the tools for maybe two three years, and uh, you know they've um, decided that oh you know I could probably do this for a little bit longer, but you know I need to know what's next. Yeah. Um, so those technicians moving out of on the tools roles uh, into say service advisor management uh, creates you know, a shortage again, Correct. those yeah. technicians. Um, so that I think that's a, an important thing to raise as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult uh, challenge to find a, you know, a way to resolve it. it. Um, I think <laughs> just, you know, having a, a career path and ha- making uh, those technicians understand that they've, you know, to, to have a commitment of a certain amount of time yep. with a view to then moving into future roles from there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you can give them a, a path of, you know, you do. You have to. You're probably going to have to do about X years here. Then you can move into semi off the tools roles here. Then you're going to spend about X, X amount of years doing that, and then you move on from there. Gives you the opportunity to present to your technician. This is what we can offer you in the future, and this is what your life would look like if you, you know, continue your career with us. Yeah. But it also gives you an opportunity to plan in terms of all right. If this guy stays, this is where he's going to go, and this is when we're going to need someone who's going to be at his skill set um, to replace him once he moves into this new role. So you've got if if it's if it is really far in the future, again you've got the opportunity to put on apprentices, and um, you know sort of uh, mold them into that person, mold mold them into those skills that you want them to have, um, or it gives you a little bit of okay. So I found this candidate, you know he's probably four years off being this this guy that I've got right now, but you know if I put him on now, he'll definitely be there where I need him to be once this other guy moves on into his next role. So um, it gives you the opportunity to plan ahead a little bit as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think another important thing to touch on in terms of challenges and, and being able to find those technicians is regional locations and attracting people to those locations. Yeah. Uh, you know, small towns 
obviously don't have a large population, so it's hard yep. to find technicians and those that are trained or, or put, put apprentices on. So it's, it's hard to find people in that local area already. Uh, so generally, you've got to look further afield. So yeah. that is something that is, um, you know, is is a real challenge for yeah. regional dealers is finding those people. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's the biggest challenge for a regional dealer. Um, it's so tough as well to to recruit from within the town. You know, um, it's it's just not always that pleasant to do. Um, uh, my my personal advice would always be to really drive home the point of particularly living expenses. You know, it's yeah. it's a lot more affordable to live in a small town. It doesn't even have to be a small town. I mean, if you compare to Toowoomba to Brisbane, that's enough. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's a lot of things there, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, regional regional dealers, I think that yeah, the, the the biggest problem has been getting people to to actually relocate and making the commitment. Yeah, exactly. Um, staying for a few years rather than you know a couple of months, um, because it is a big risk for technicians in terms of okay, I'm probably going to have to move my whole family here, mm-hmm. and you know what if the kids don't like it? What if my wife doesn't like it? What if my wife can't find a job? You know, those are all the things they're thinking about. Plus, um, you know, if, if they're going to relocate somewhere regional, uh, you know, why don't they do mining? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really tough. It's tough. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Let's, um, I guess let's move into maybe some of the uh, uh, opportunities um, that we've seen and, and ways to mm-hmm. maybe overcome some of these challenges. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, one opportunity is looking further afield from your current industry and potentially upskilling why don't you talk us through that? Yeah, that's right. So um, I've seen a lot of um, light vehicle mechanics, um, particularly from sort of car dealerships, looking to upskill into a heavy vehicle trade, um, making them obviously dual trade trade qualified. Um, I think that's mainly because they're seeing a lot of opportunity in the heavy vehicle side of things. Um, there's also obviously the, the uh, higher pay um, in a heavy vehicle dealership as well. Yes. Um, I have heard mixed results dealers some have said the people we have put on um we were thorough with them we made sure they'd be the right people but they've worked out really 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 well yes um a lot of the time those are people who love who just love working on machinery um you know they they do it for a job and then on weekends they even work on other stuff as well um what you get to do in a heavy vehicle trade is is a lot more intricate in terms of you get to do more um you know on a car you you're not going to do a complete engine replacement, generally speaking. You know, you'll just buy a new car. On a truck or on a piece of, on a tractor or on, you know, a piece of earth moving equipment, there's every chance you're doing that. So um, there's a much wider range of things to, to choose from there. So for them, that's 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 a big incentive there to, to, to do that because it just gives them more variety as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you it, it's tough. You've got to find the right guy um, and they've got to be very keen to learn. And... Um, a lot of the time you'll find whether they're going to be committed to it or not by saying, look, you're probably going to have to go back onto an apprenticeship yes. because you are going to be an apprentice in the, in the sense of the heavy vehicle trade. Yep. Um, but they won't go down in salary uh, generally. Yeah. It's usually a, a bump up, especially for automotive going to heavy. Yeah. Um, and, and for the employer, uh, quite often there can be some government incentives uh, yeah. for that additional training. So it may not actually cost you as much as you think to do that training. Yeah. So it could be a good long-term investment. So. I guess check with your state government and federal government just to see what options are there for additional training. That's right. Uh, if there's any incentives that could be uh, could work out for you. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so what about uh, non-dealership experience candidates? Um, how often do you place a non-dealership experience candidate with a dealership? 
Very rare. Very rarely. <laughs> um, look, I don't know whether that comes down to the dealerships generally don't want non-dealership experience candidates or it's because, you know, if they're going through the effort of, of finding someone through a recruitment company, they want someone who's from a dealership background. Yeah. I think it's probably more so the latter. Um, I have, again, heard dealerships talk to me and say, look, you know, we've put on people from non-dealership backgrounds and it's worked out great, Yeah, you know. Um, particularly people who've come from farming backgrounds anyway, but they've never worked in the dealership. Um, they now want to sort of progress and, you know, make a career out of it. Um, they've generally worked out quite well. Yep. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to attitude. So um, I think in dealerships, you're probably going to have the, the customer service side of things is probably a lot higher um, than you would probably have had in wherever else you've come from. Um, dealership, you know, going into a dealership, whether it's a car dealership or a truck dealership or an agricultural dealership, it's, it's, sales you know you want to look good and um, the customer service side is really important yeah and if there's if there's just a limited number of people that have got the skills you know working with with your brand at yeah. a dealership level then you do have to look outside and maybe looking at say like a fleet uh, company or transport yeah. company that's got a fleet of your trucks or even just some of that's your right. trucks uh, then that could be a good option because they've got that groundwork sure they may not be able to do the really complex stuff that requires the OEM training yeah but they can get that through you. Uh, and That's right. if you invest in that person and, and bring them up, then if they've got that then career of being able to progress throughout the dealership into more senior management roles. That's right, because you, I'm sure you're investing in that training anyway with your current staff. Exactly. So, yeah. So they might have to do a little bit more at the start, but, um, you know, they, like I said, they've got that that base there that they yeah. can build on. Uh, they understand what all the parts are and where bits are in the, in the truck. So uh, they've got a head start at least against other um, you know, like an apprentice or somebody outside of a different That's right. industry. Yeah, and if you invest in them early with training, um, they're probably going to be quite loyal. You know, they're going to be fairly grateful, you know, for, for everything that you've done for them. You've given them training. You've uh, given them more know-how. You've made them more employable. So um, they'll, they're probably more likely to stick around. And what about uh, incentives or, or um, things you could offer uh, to your current uh, employees, technicians, to keep them in the workshop, um, there's uh, we've seen a few uh, companies putting out some different offers and stuff to their employees to keep them. Yeah, um, maybe talk through a few of those that you've seen. Yeah, we've seen a few of these. So um, uh, uh, a big one I've seen recently is four day a week and ten hours a day. Yep, which equals to pretty much the exact same amount of hours um, that they would um, if they were working five days a week, uh, seven point six hours, which is obviously the normal full time full time employment time. Um, that's a big one. So they always have a three day weekend, essentially. Um, if they do then want to do another day, they can, they get, they get paid overtime. So it's quite, uh, attractive for them. Um, another one I've seen is people have started taking a, a page out of the mining companies books and doing like a seven, seven roster. You work, you know, seven days uh, straight for 12 hours and you've got seven days off. So, yeah. um, that's another thing I've seen. There's a few different, uh, things you can do there. Um, and obviously those things uh, do require you to have the certain staff level to be yes. able to accommodate that <laughs> roster. So that may not work for everybody. But if, if you if you think that that is something that your technicians would appreciate, maybe that's something you could work towards in trying to find additional people to be able to spread that load to do those rosters. Correct. Because it might take a little bit longer and cost you a little bit more up front. But in the long run, you might retain those people, those good technicians that you want to keep. You might yep. keep them longer because they're – uh, you know, they're getting the work, uh, the, um, the 
FIFO lifestyle yeah. of having the time off without actually having to be away from home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it. And um, look, again, you know, this isn't going to work for you if you've got three mechanics in your workshop, but if you've got 10, 12, 15 guys in there, you know, there's definitely something you can do to shuffle things around. And um, I would just encourage you to talk to them and say, look, you know, we've had some ideas. We're thinking about maybe doing this. What are your thoughts? Maybe they're not interested at all. Maybe they say, oh, no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but some of them are probably going to say, yep, no, that actually sounds really good. And what about uh, some ways that uh, employers can attract technicians to regional areas? Um, what What is some of your... I guess we've worked with some remote WA clients in the past. Yeah. Uh, I know you've placed a few people there. Well, what is it about those roles that has managed to be able to attract people? Yeah, so you want to really sell your area and give them uh, an idea of, you know, this is how expensive it actually is to, to have a house here. Um, keep them aware that, look, if you're moving from Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne, you're probably going to think, oh, your, re- your knowledge of regional towns isn't going to be great. So... Um, you know, just alert, just make them aware of the fact that, you know, yes, we do have a hospital here and, you know, we do have a Bunnings and we do have shops and all that sort of stuff because at the end of the day, that's what you need, you know. You need um, a supermarket or two, um, you know, your hardware store, a hospital or a medical centre. Um, make them aware of those things. Make them aware, really make them aware of house prices because that's going to be your biggest, you know, your biggest drawing card there. You really want to push that. Yep. Um, another big thing is helping with relocation. Know, um, saying, look, you know, we're happy to invest in you, and um, pay, pay, pay for you to 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 move out here. Um, as we've obviously already talked about, give them an incentive to stay as well. Um, bonuses in terms of, you know, you get this amount of money if you stay for this amount of time. Um, all those sort of things. Um, you know, alert them to the fact that a lot of the time in regional areas, you might actually get, particularly as a mechanic, you might get more money than you were making the city. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe your partner doesn't even have to work. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so all these things that, um, you know, you, you, you want to show, show a spirit of community as well. Um, there's, um, you know, a lot of regional towns have a really, really good community spirit. Yeah. Um, so saying, you know, look, what does your, what does your partner do? You know, should we have a, a ring around, see if there's anyone who's looking for someone who's, who's, you know, got the skill set that your partner happens to have, yeah. um, you know, help, help them feel welcome really. Yeah, and, and my thoughts around all of that, and it applies to any position really in regional areas, is to, yeah, number one, include the partner, make sure they understand what's available and, yeah. you know, find out what they do and, and what interests them so that you can put them in touch with community organisations, like you said. But spending the time to research your area, find all the things that people need to know about, uh, you know, moving to the area. And there are some government websites, uh, regional living I think there's one for Victoria yeah. and Evo Cities for New South Wales. They they have a lot of information about uh, housing prices and, and all the stuff that you need to know, but you can collate that into a bit of a document that you can send any potential new hires about uh, just selling the location and the lifestyle and, you know, what what is there to do on the weekend or on a, on a Thursday night or, you know, the, the different things that are available in the town. Is, yeah. is, so putting that together, you could use that for any position that you're looking to hire. That's right. So one thing we get asked a lot as well is about sponsoring candidates and yep. finding people from overseas. Uh, obviously, it's a uh, it can be a long and costly process, but for some dealers, it it really is possibly the only option they have to be yep. able to find people to service their equipment. Um, why don't you talk us through your experience with um, with overseas candidates and and technicians? Yeah, look, um, sponsoring candidates is something you want to really really think about and prepare. 
um, work with a migration agent, um, talk to them about how much it's really going to cost you um, because the cost can be quite high. Um, I've heard figures up to you know twenty thousand dollars for for one person, so uh, it, it is a very very big investment. Um, it can be risky as well because there's no there's nothing stopping the Keenan from moving on and finding a new sponsor. Yes, um, they can definitely do that. Um, you can't bind them to your dealership for the next four years or something like that. Um, you yeah, you just can't do that. So um, you would want to make sure that this person's going to stick around. Um, again, maybe you want to do some sort of incentive program or something like that. Uh, my biggest piece of advice would be to always hire, if you are going overseas, hire someone from um, a dealership background and ideally try and find someone from an English-speaking country. So yep. um, that way at least the language barrier is fairly minimal. Um, they might have a different accent, but, you know, generally speaking, everyone everyone speaks the same language and um, the qualifications are going to be easy to sort of read and go through and um, you're just going to have an easier time integrating them into the workshop. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it is important to maybe look at using external assistance for that because there there are so many different options with visas. Yeah. Um, it's not just a one no. one option. Uh, there's there's plenty of options. There's employer sponsored visas. There's uh, self sponsored visas yep. where they get the visa themselves. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different uh, options for dealers and for for candidates wanting to relocate to Australia. So correct. Um, I think it's good to speak to a professional about it to get an understanding correct. of what the most effective and I guess probably cheapest option is. That's um, right. And uh, you know if you can get somebody on a uh, their self sponsored visa, then they're probably uh, less risky for you uh, because yeah, it might take a little bit longer to get them there. Might be a little bit of cost involved in getting yep. them started. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if they were to leave, you know, the cost would have been less than if you had to do the full sponsorship and then they just transferred out and went to a uh, mining company or something like that. That's right, yeah. And look, I've heard plenty of of stories where it's worked out really, really well. You know, they've... um, They've uh, sponsored a candidate, and that candidate stayed with them for four or five years until they got their Australian citizenship, yeah. and then said, "Look, you know, I've, I've done my time now, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to go somewhere else." So, oh yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely success stories, and yeah. I, I've heard them. You know, uh, oh yeah, do you, I've asked clients before. You know, have you ever sponsored candidates? Oh yeah, we sponsored this uh, guy ten years ago, and he's mm. still here. Um, yeah, he's our service manager now. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like the, yeah. You, you do get good results yeah. from time to time. But it is a mixed bag and it's a, it's a big commitment. It's expensive. It's best to seek professional advice for that and, and really know what you're getting yourself in for Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, there, there are a few pitfalls. And it is more for regional yeah. areas, I think. Uh, um, major metro cities, it can be hard to, to actually get some of those visas. There's a lot more options for regional areas, <laughs> yeah. which I think is good because, you know, those are the areas that it's hard to find those people. Exactly. So, uh, if there's more visa options, then that's a that's another option for dealers, at least anyway. Exactly, and you have a bigger pool of candidates to choose from. You know, you might uh, get candidates with so much experience for you know a much lower hourly rate than you usually would have, or it never would have, um, just by going overseas. You know, just by finding someone from from the UK or from South Africa or something like or Canada, um, because you know they they. They don't have that many options. You, it's the only instance where it's where the old, you know, there's more people than jobs is flipped around, and we have, you know, we have we have it the other way around, really, where you can, as the employer, you can really be picky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about apprenticeships just real quickly, and then we'll we'll finish off this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, apprentices are obviously the hardest, or the the one of the contributors to to the shortage of technicians or a lack of apprentices yeah. rather. So 
I think over the over the years we've seen a, a push from schools as well to maybe look at university and uh, other options for yeah. post school work. Yeah, uh, and also on the trade side. Uh, construction and things like that are often a bit more attractive to young people yeah. uh, rather than getting under a truck and, and getting dirty, especially with the rates uh, that are being paid for some of those positions. Yeah. Um, what uh, What are your thoughts around apprenticeships and, and trying to get more people into the industry? Look, um, apprenticeship prog- programs in particular are probably not at the top of your list um, in terms of I need, I need to find people right now. Uh, you know, th- this doesn't help me right now. Um, but if you'd done it six years ago, you wouldn't be in this position. Yeah. So um, it's something you, you definitely want to do. I know just from, from our experience and our meetings uh, with dealerships, um, those dealerships that have always done apprenticeship programs, they've always put on apprentices, even when they said, look, we didn't really need them, but we put we, we just put people on because we we have a strong partnership with the, with the local school or something like yeah. that. Um, they're always the ones who say, oh, we don't really struggle for technicians. Yeah, exactly, because – also, they're uh, growing the number of, of people in the town that have yeah. got that skill set. So, you know, long term down the path, that's they, right. they might have done their apprenticeship there and gone and done something else, but they might want to come back and they've got that Correct. skill set there. So, that's it. Um, yeah, getting involved with the local schools and putting on those um, apprentices, even if you don't need them, yeah, uh, can be a good way of boosting that uh, uh, potential future workforce. That's right. For, for your service department. Yeah, and just doing something like, you know, partnering with the local school and saying, you know, we'll let uh, 20 students come in and do um, a week of work experience with us or something, maybe not 20, but, um, you know, X amount of students come in and do a week of work experience with us. It doesn't cost you anything. They just sit around the workshop and have a look at what's happening. Yes. And um, you might get some people interested in the trade that never would have considered it otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's uh, all we've got for this week's episode. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you've got any other further questions, please reach out. More than happy to chat to you about technicians and uh, some of the uh, advice and, and tips that we can give you to try and help you find some some additional candidates. So, Thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.